0: May 18, 2020, it's a Watt for Peter Rose Show. Peter Show, happy Monday. Rain a little bit here, right at the end of my hobble, past the midway point of May, still in quite and quarantino mode, so Brother Matt sequestered at his uh Love Grotto on the Pleasure Point, about three miles south of here. But I'm not completely man alone because the wonders of those software engineers in Estonia and their Skype invention. I got Will Johnson with me. Welcome aboard, Will.
1: Thank you so much, Mike. Where are Welcome. you talking from, Thank- Will? I'm here in Austin, Texas, yeah, where it's okay. already ab- about 95 degrees. Well, it's, it's not, not just around. 95
0: degrees. It's like 99% humidity. <laughs> 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 so it could be like 70 in stills. That's about That's, right. Man, it's tough. It We're, can get tough there, but it's still a good town, good music town. Good. I was talking, uh, last cat I talked to from Austin was Thor.
1: He's one of my dear friends. Yeah. great, great uh,
0: he, cat. Great cat. And, one, of, uh, one of my
1: favorite people.
0: I should talk about what we play. John Coltrane with when he was my- Miles Davis doing Milestones. Oh, and my then
1: goodness. And Will
0: Johnson with uh, You Will Be Here, mine. Yes, sir. I- I will. Please tell me your earliest musical recollection.
1: Oh, my goodness. In 1974, my mother took me to see John Denver at the Mid-South Coliseum in Memphis, Tennessee. And while that might not be the most punk rock show to go to early on, I was riveted by the energy in the place and just seeing live music. And uh, so she told me I never sat down the entire time. How old were you? I was three years old. And you remember that shit? I remember standing at at the railing on the front row of the second deck watching the show. I
0: don't know if I remember anything about three. My mom said I painted the bulkheads with my own shit once. (laughs) (laughs) I <laughs> went into a uh, phone booth and did a Superman thing, but it you know, just got naked. But I don't remember any of that shit. Look, what, what about the pad you grew what What town was this? The, oh, this was this, in Memphis, right?
1: That's in Memphis, yeah. yeah but I so com- uh, I where com- did you grow up? I come from a small town called Kennett, Missouri, which is just across and up the Mississippi River sure. from Memphis. Like Northwest. Northwest. It's about an hour and a half from Memphis. It's a cotton farming, soybean farming kind of community, maybe 10,000 people. And uh, it's not really on the way to anywhere. Not a lot to do there. So we played basketball and baseball and listened, figure out how to it make it near music. the river? It's about 18 miles from the river. Because
0: the river, there's a road. I mean, I think I-55 goes down, but there's a road called the Great River Road or some shit. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah, and I've I've been on tour and through there a few times. There's some native uh, reservations.
1: It is around uh, there. It's yeah, very, I can't
0: remember their names and stuff, but I've done uh, things like, uh, you know, you want to go through uh, Missouri and Arkansas to get over to Memphis on the I-40. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yep. Yeah. That's probably so what this, you did. So, this is in the. This is. I always joke that this is in the part of Missouri that Arkansas didn't even want. It's in that little boot heel there. <laughs> and uh, it's it's the part of Missouri that doesn't really make the brochures with the lakes and the hills and everything. It's just flat, as you can see. It's like extended Mississippi Delta.
0: Well, it's probably floodplain from the river.
1: Yes, sir. That's exactly right. And that right. means
0: good farmland, but it's kind of dangerous if yeah to jump the.
1: It's also on one of the most volatile fault lines in uh, in the world. So the rent is cheap.
0: <laughs> you mean there's earthquake? Oh, because of this fracking shit.
1: The New Madrid Fault Line runs right through there. Okay. And when that thing blew in, the, I guess, the 1800s, it really, really shifted the flow of the Mississippi. And some even say that it reversed the flow in certain sections. Um,
0: well, sometimes it's just going to jump out anyway, you know, d- depending on f- how full it is and stuff. And,
1: that's right. That's uh, right. And
0: also there's the Missouri River. I mean, it, the, that's all intense stuff there. Uh, but but what I want to know is in the pad you grew up, was there musical yeah. instruments?
1: There was not a lot going on as far as music went just because uh, kids were kids were mostly into sports I was one of the weirdos I guess that got a pawn shop drum set early on and started learning records what about, what from, about your folks did any of them play uh, yes a little bit not seriously but a little bit yeah, but uh, what? Just, you know, but what? a little bit of piano here and there but so my there mom was a bought, piano in the pad. Yep, there was a piano in the house, and then when I was nine years old, my mom took me to the pawn shop and bought me a $100 drum set, an old late 60s Rogers kit.
0: Now, you and never, you never uh, were asked to do piano lessons?
1: Yes, I did. I took piano lessons for six years from a lady named Bernice Crow, who is Cheryl Crow's mother.
0: Now how was uh, the experience?
1: We went to the same church and everything. It was great learning piano. I didn't... I. I didn't really warm up to it until about two years in, but I started realizing the value of the melodic structure that it gave me, now and how, how it. How old was this before the drum set? This is yes, this is before the drum set. This is about age seven. So, what makes you want to switch from the piano?
0: Because you know, in the old days, yeah, piano was in the rhythm section with the bass, the drums, and the guitar. That's right. Yeah, because yeah. very percussive in a way. So, but 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 I'm curious, what made you want to switch from piano to the drum set?
1: I had been setting up. Uh, this is kind of silly, but since I would bef- even before that time taking piano, when I was a little bitty dude, I would set up all the cookie tins and coffee cans in size order from left to right to try to make the biggest drum set I could on the couch. Yeah. And mom was real cool with that. It made a ton of noise, and it was a nasty racket. But uh, she was real cool with me doing that. But I started using the a lampshade as a symbol, and that's when she said, that's it, we're going to the pawn shop. We've got to get you a kit.
0: You know, Alvin Jones started on pots and pans, and his sister lent him some money. Yeah. A, yeah, you see that different drummer uh, documentary. But but I'm still curious. What I understand you went and got – you didn't have a set, so you had to yeah. get a shit from your mom's kitchen. But uh, what made you want to go from the piano to the drums?
1: 70s rock and roll. Oh, okay. Just drummers like Bonham. Ah, oh, and-
0: yeah. So guitar, even though guitar, you know, to be accurate about it, it is piano music. But it does become like a guitar
1: thing. You're right. Yes, definitely. And the guitar followed the drum thing about Absolutely. six or seven years later.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So let's talk about school. Did you do... Like the choir, the marching band, or shit like that?
1: Yeah, I did some marching band stuff through high school and even the first year of college up at University of North Texas in Denton. Well,
0: yeah, I um, know Denton, a music school. I, I yep. got to play there once, and I asked... fact, the last guest I had on went there. Uh,
1: I, saw, I saw you play there at the University of Union in 1993. Yeah, when
0: I asked for that set list paper, they gave me paper with staff, you know, for writing <laughs> scores.
1: Yeah, Yeah,
0: yep. yeah. So... Uh, Where did you play in the marching band? One of the I played, drums?
1: I played the saxophone.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. okay. <laughs> I
1: had I had a real sweet mullet, and I needed the instrument to match it, so I went with the saxophone for a little bit. And
0: what, alto, tenor? Tenor. Okay, John Coltrane.
1: Yep. And uh, I didn't study music at North Texas. I studied English, but I went ahead and did the marching band thing just to kind of keep keep the music thing moving as I looked for a band to play drums in. And okay. so, as you know, Denton's a big music town. and uh, Just so, north of
0: Dallas, it's not that far.
1: Yep, 35 miles yeah. or so.
0: Now, I'm curious, uh why didn't you do drums in the Marching Man?
1: The drum line, I don't read drum music, uh, and that drum, that drum line is so wildly competitive. Yeah. Uh, those guys are world-class. No, no, I, no.
0: I mean back in, in uh, junior high and high school.
1: Oh, junior high high school. I just wanted to try something different, really. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, okay. I, I was playing drums so much on my own that I just kind of felt like maybe veering off to something more melodic.
0: And what about uh after school with the bedroom or garage, basement band, that kind of thing with your friends? Did you do yep. something? Okay. And since you had the drum set, it was probably at your pad, right? That's
1: exactly right. <laughs>
0: okay. And even though a little town in Missouri, there were some people wanted to play at
1: school, right? Well, by this time, by the time I got to junior high, my mother remarried and we left that little town in Missouri. We okay. came to cent- Central Texas and Colleen, which is a big military town. Sure. North of us in about an hour. So that's where I did my junior high and high school. And, and that's people that- who wanted to play there. Yep, there were people, surprisingly enough, wanting to play there. And it was the classic, you know, leave your name at the music store bulletin board. Oh, with yeah, a couple yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple of tabs just to try to find people. Oh, so that, they, weren't, they weren't like guys you went to school with? Uh, one of them was, but the rest of them were not. Okay. So I found my guitar player and kind of my kindred rock and roll spirit in high school. And then we kind of, we started searching through the general population of Central Texas for people to play with. yeah. It's not as north as Waco, right? No, it's between, uh, it's kind of between Austin and Waco.
0: Okay, because there's a place that Jay Maskis took me to, to to get like a, Le- oh, Levi's, service, service oh, center um, or some shit. It was, it was an old gas station
1: turned into a clothes store. <laughs> oh, you went to the style station. Style station. That's yeah, that's between Waco and Hillsboro. That's okay. third, on the west side of 35. Right, right. Okay, yep. okay.
0: Yeah. My memory isn't the best sometimes, Will. I'm sorry. That's all I right. want to play uh, uh, Just to Know When You've Been Dreaming. And I would walk a thousand miles
2: Just to know what you've been dreaming And I would you a thousand
0: Pedro Show, yeah, Will Johnson with Just to Know What You've Been Dreaming. After yes, that, uh, brand new from Few. I guess it's just uh, a tune called Drone that was from her tour. This lady's been around since the 70s. Yep. Uh, Kay Salida, she's been around since. Uh, by the way, thought, uh, Kay, I got an email from Slim Moon at Kill Rockstars and they want to do a vinyl version of the Justamente Tres album. He's in uh, Nashville now. Oh, uh, cool! Uh, yeah, and Mike Rodnetta After that, with full depth, Lauren. Pause. They're both out of New York City, and then finally South San Gabriel. With Alabama Crusade, you know, uh, S.G.V. Right uh, it, out here in uh, Southern California. Uh, really, uh, a lot of Asian immigrant. Yeah, do you know that? Mm-hmm. Because I didn't know I don't when I hear San Gabriel, you know, we call it the Inland Empire and shit like that. Yeah. but I, I think
1: it. It's not. Is it the same one? It is named after a river here in Central Texas. Ah,
0: oh, but they, they, that's what this this valley's named after too. There's the San Gabriel. ha! Uh-huh. No. But you know what, Gabriel? In fact, they uh, they rename the natives, uh, Gabriano's here in Pedro the Tudvas. Oh, the I, horn. I think it's because of the horn, like you hear in the the, uh, the trumpet call or something.
1: Ah, yeah, I so,
0: see. So maybe it's a popular name all over. I, I I thought it was a parallel. I thought it wasn't the same place.
1: It's a river. There's also a north San Gabriel, but there was something more romantic sounding to uh, south San Gabriel to my eye, at least. So we called the band that. You mean <laughs> like two forks? Yep. They okay. they they split at a certain point. Uh, and yeah. I'm not sure where. I feel like it's the... East side of 35 a little ways, but at any rate, there are two San Gabriel Rivers yeah, that run. Yeah, like
0: in Nebraska, there's two Plats.
1: Yep, that's right. Okay.
0: This is what we learned from Toronto.
1: Yeah, that's right. Country. Okay, now, does
0: this band have a name, this after-school band?
1: The, the the high school after-school band was called the Benjamins. The
0: Benjamins.
1: And we put out two cassettes in nineteen eighty. Eight and eighty nine, and then.
0: Well, I want to know it, about your first gig.
1: Oh man,
0: <laughs> first one ever. You know what? Speaking of first things, I forgot to ask you: what was the first record you bought for yourself?
1: ACDC's Back in Black.
0: And what was the in the first gig you saw was at three, right?
1: At three, yeah, John Denver.
0: <laughs> okay, okay. Now let tell me about the first gig with the fucking Benjamins.
1: Oh my God, we played a. County Carnival, and there was a big garage door behind us. You open it up, and it just smells like manure blowing through the place. Oh, yeah, and
0: County
1: Fair. <laughs> we were uh, – it was about, I don't know, 95 degrees in there. We probably Ooh. played to about 20 people, and it was the biggest show of our lives. We got paid grown-up money. We got paid $200 in 1989. For your first gig.
0: For your first gig.
1: For the first gig. Now, we got now paid-
0: what kind of material – did you do uh, copy songs, or did, did you guys play your own songs?
1: Half and half. We okay. played half our own stuff, and then half covers.
0: Now, you were the drummer man, right?
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: Now, did you were you involved with the composing?
1: A little bit, a little bit. Uh, what's, in what's, that,
0: what's your idea on that, Will, about drummer men?
1: <laughs> composing? Be no, because you know
0: there was a big Chico Hamilton, a drummer, big influence on George Hurley in the 60s, try to get songwriting credits. In the, yeah, drummers can't write songs.
1: Yeah, they always say, what's the best, what's the last thing a drummer says before getting kicked out of the band is, hey, can we try one of my songs? And uh, very fortunately, I was in a couple of bands early on that were willing to hear me out, and I would at least come up with guitar melodies. I wouldn't come up with lyrics. I figured the singer's got to stand up there and own that every night, and I don't need to literally put words in their their mouth. You mean
0: like but, sock puppet?
1: Yeah, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to. Uh, you know, George Hurley. Voice. If
0: George Hurley saw somebody picking his ass, he'd, he'd say hand puppet. <laughs> <laughs> George is so, very quick on the. No, no I this, what I was trying to get at, Will. Yeah. I, you know, Charlie Mingus, when he composed, right? He used the piano. Yeah. Like his first song was uh, Mingus Fingers, right? He yeah. never composed, and he's a bitching bass player, right? But he did not right on the, So I'm wondering about using the drums as yeah. a composition tool. Were you were you hip to that? Because the, there's a lot of... Uh, bass player too, I mean, that's where you put the retarded friend, you know, it's like right field in Little League, right? But <laughs> if you want him in the band, right, but you don't want them to have to do anything critical. <laughs> but the same with the drummer, they, they've they been f- this weird image of them being retarded and, you know, yeah. you know, last 20 years, this was a big mistake, Will that man did. George totally, Hurley should have been at the front of the stage. I don't know if you've seen me in the last 20 years, but I always have my drummers now
1: right downstage. I see that. I, I follow you on Instagram. I see the photos, and I love the way that you, you guys are set up. You can see me it, at a
0: live gig when I come play
1: your town. It presents, it presents uh, an element of equality across the stage, and well, I love that. Well, not even I love equality to, in
0: a way, because I'm trying to get out of the denial that you're trying to, or, or, you know, the M.O., the the cliche is, you're in denial, this is rhythm music, and you got the guy way in the back on a cake, if he's lucky, yeah, you know, it's owning up to it, it's rhythm music, we're all doing little rhythms, you know, we're not not Paganini doing fucking hundred note melodies, we're all doing these little licks, the drummer's just more honest about
1: it. I I fully agree, and I've stood up for drummers for could grieve decades at this point but i was part of the reason i started working with melody because going back to what you said we rehearsed at my house the drums were there all the amps all the amps were there the guitars everybody just left their stuff so by as a result i started just plunking around on guitars when all the when everybody else was away and that started giving me a sense of the rhythm that goes on through all these instruments and it started Allowing me to see the room from different pieces of furniture, so to speak, to try to get a better perspective of the song.
0: Absolutely. You know, my requirements for school, if I was made boss of, you know, school czar or some shit, you got to learn drums. You got to take a trip overseas. That's right. I think right. Great- I think those would be Because if you can play drums, you can, that rhythm that you develop can be carried over to all the other furnitures.
1: That's exactly right, and so it was my goal to just explore as much as I possibly could on my own time, and then that led to getting more serious about writing songs, and then finally developing the confidence to write my own lyrics and start singing my own things, but that was a lot of years of kind of worming my way through the musical forest, you know, getting comfortable. Yeah, and then when you get to Denton, you're not even, you're studying literature, right, or That's right. I was studying literature and just knocking around. But you you still doing music on the side? Oh, I'm still doing music as much as possible. Um, At at that moment, you know, I wasn't there, so
0: you have to kind of tell.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. I was doing music. I was playing in three or four bands at a time during college.
0: Because they had a healthy music scene there, right? A lot of bands and stuff.
1: That's exactly right. So many, you know, the enrollment there is... About thirty-five to 40,000 anyway. And then the music school is world class. And by, pro- uh, by virtue of that, you have so many musicians hanging around town that either decided to stick with the music school or just go do their own thing, which creates, when you combine that with a handful of good venues and a really great art scene, you got a real good thing going. And it can satellite off of the economy and culture of Dallas but it also has its own identity. I mean, I know you know you've been there. Yeah, who's that guy
0: from Fort Worth, uh, Ornette Coleman?
1: Yeah, yeah, (laughs) I believe so.
0: You know, I've never played Fort Worth, but I know Caravan of Dreams was there.
1: Yep, Caravan's there. They've got a couple of good venues down there, but in all, that little triangle of Denton, Dallas, and Fort Worth wound up giving us a lot of places to kind of cut our teeth and figure it out. And it's pretty easy to tour out of, so no complaints in that matter. Um, But Denton was a real bustling community for that kind of thing, and I think that energy led to me being willing to try songwriting and to give it a go, because in the mid-'90s, early-'90s, mid-'90s, there was a very devil-may-care kind of aesthetic to its music scene. A lot of people were not afraid to get on stage and just tank or... You know, sink or swim, it was all happening. So Let it made a
0: lot of us fly. unafraid. Man, that's bitching. That's bitching. That's what we need all over the place. Uh, no we're at the end of, Will, we're at the end of the first hour. Yeah. May 18, 2020 edition Watt for Pedro's show. Uh, special guest, Will Johnson. Hold tight for our two. May 18, 2020, it's the second hour of the Watt for Pedro show. <laughs>
3: and
4: My money
0: For Pedro's show, we start off the second hour Will Johnson doing Cornelius, has nothing to do with the Tokyo band, or the Roddy McDowell character in Planet of the Eight one of them maybe the third one where they're on a boat and shit, with a baby yeah. that was filmed at the old Todd Shipyard here in Pedro just, oh. uh, just FYI <laughs> long time ago uh, Peter Lochner after that, with heroin his version of Velvet Live, so, too. I think Velvet, the town they mostly played, was Cleveland. I think 23 gigs. Oh, and my God! Bob Quine recorded a lot of them. I think every one. The, the Voidoid guitar player was Richard L. Uh, Barrett's Whitfield, The Savages, out of mass with I'm Gonna Leave You, Travis and Shook. We had uh, Chandler Travis on from uh, Cape Cod, Cape Cod, doing samba. That was his Travis and Shook band open uh, he told me about doing tours opening for uh, what's that guy D. Boone liked uh, uh, stand up comedian guy George ah uh, oh, fuck you know what I'm talking about he was kind of protege of uh, Lenny Bruce I'm blanking he had I'm an blanking. album class clown when I first met D. Boone he had I thought he was making all this shit up and he had like did all his things but <laughs> we were 12. Yeah, I thought this was the smartest guy in the, in the fucking world, you know. Uh, George Carlin. Okay, George Carlin. God damn him. Yeah, See, I don't let it go, Will. I chase it down. The fucking Alzheimer's okay. going to have to strangle my uh, bilge pump after that with Thag Spain on the leads. And then Will Johnson with Call, Call, Call. So, so Will Johnson is a drummer man, a piano man, a marching band sax man, but wants to become a songwriter man. That's right. That's great. I think that's, you know, everybody should take turns in life. Maybe William Shakespeare didn't write those plays, but whoever the fuck did, and that shit about life's a stage in different roles—why not?
1: I figure if I'm if I wake up and I'm learning something, you know, then then all the more positive. And so I would—that's that's what that's what caused me to just want to play just about anything I could get my hands on, just to try it out. Okay. And what do you think?
0: Did you notice something being kind of more for, yeah, but how do you know that
1: it's more sympathetic to you? Um. Well, it, it, I got more comfortable with my own voice and I got more comfortable with my sense of guitar playing, which at first was really, really rudimentary and just very pedestrian. And it still is at times, but, uh, but around age 23, about 1994, 95, I start, I've completed my first you know my first songs with lyrics and everything, and I got brave enough to take them out of the house and share them with friends, and uh, it, that was a point. And did, that, did a guitar player
0: that you saw or heard off records make a difference to you? Yes,
1: who? yeah, definitely. I'm curious, I was who? all over the map, man. I mean, I was definitely like early Husker Records. The replace Bob Moe. Mo. Yeah, definitely Bob. Uh, those the the rhythm and the kind of rawness and the actually uh, when I,
0: I think of Bob I think of a wash man <laughs> like, like yeah. their Grant Cymbals they ain't gonna stop until the gig's over <laughs> that's exactly right
1: that that was its own frequency to me now you know and- it's
0: a trip I'll tell you something about Bob's guitar part
1: of it very thin picks yeah that's right like we almost did- a piece of paper we uh Bob and I have done two tours together in the last 9 months. Oh wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well. Yeah, we toured around the Midwest and the South and then again in the Northeast back in January before all this stuff started happening. And You
0: know, you know he spends about 6 months a year in Berlin now. I saw him last summer when I was helping Flipper.
1: That's exactly right. He's over there part of the time and then in San Francisco part of the time, right. but He's playing those solo shows as I'm sure you know, just about as loud as he would with a band. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, and and that's that's. But it's a it was a reminder every night that oh man, this sense of rhythm and this sense of vocal melody had a lot to do with with all with the reason that I tried this. And of course, there were the other go tos like Neil Young, Elvis Costello, but really for uh, for the early '80s, you know, like. It was people like Mould and Westerberg. Yeah, and, do, you and, know,
0: do you know that me and D Boone put out the first Husker album?
1: I did know that, yes. It's and, called Land Speed Record. And I discovered it's coming that. On, while, it's
0: coming on fucking 40 years.
1: I can't believe it. I, <laughs> I mean, Look, I'm
0: going to play I, here. Uh, gas blowing out of our eyes. Because they are. <laughs> there
2: was gas
0: blowing out of our eyes.
2: Just to make matters worse for the night So we destroyed everything in our sight. We did fine, we did fine, we did Visit family and friends in our sleep. The underbelly of the nation starts to weep. We shift around and tossed about in all too deep. We did our time. We did our time. We did our time. Desperation, it sweeps the countryside. Contradicting the standards we'd abide in. We shut our mouths and think our thoughts to keep in stride. It's hard to hide. It's hard to hide. The cancer dropped on the camp early this morning. The blisters free and the bandages were torn The 61 and 62 laid to rest We did our best We did our best We did our best
5: Everybody falls for the singer if only because
6: they love
5: to singer. If only because they love to swinger from the rooftops of stardust making out with the moon. Yes, everybody loves the singer if only because they love to singer. If only because they love to swing out from the rooftops of stardust, making out with the moon. What can the guitar player do without the singer? How can he pin it to the wall? What can he cry? When will he die? What can the guitar player do? When everybody falls for the singer. If only because they love to sing, ah. Yeah, if only because they love to swing, ah. From the rooftops of stardust making out with the moon. Yeah. Well, what can the guitar player do without the singer? How far can he go before before nowhere takes over, packs a bag for his shoulder and says it's time to hit the road. If the singer is still alive, you feel dead inside, no matter where no matter where you find your heart beating if the singer is dead it will fuck with your head yeah you know deep down you know it'll never ever stop hurting yeah
7: understand.
5: Well, sometimes the singer will puke into the mop. Sometimes the singer will let the acid drop. Sometimes a singer will admit he's old, a man, and then have the nerve to say, fuck you. Aha! Those singers, let me tell you, are the worst. They're the fucking worst. You know it's true. Yeah! <coughs> the singer will take a swinger at the drummer. Sometimes the singer will want a ball or get laid. Sometimes the singer will flee into the forest in the middle of the tour. Beware the singer who will sing only after getting paid. Yes. Sometimes the singer will sing the word crime a million times in one six-minute-and-66-second song. I've known a hell of a lot of singers. Folks, this list could get pretty goddamn long. But in conclusion, and to cut the fucking list down, I will merely say... Once again, that everybody falls for the singer, if only because they love to sing, uh, yes, if only because they love to swing uh, from the rooftops. Of stardust making out with the moon from the rooftops of stardust making out with the moon from the rooftops of stardust that makes out with the moon yeah <laughs>
8: The Top 10 Best Antivirus Providers for Mac 2020. Are you looking for antivirus software for your Apple computer but don't know who to trust? Or are you unsure if your antivirus is the right choice? These days, having trusted antivirus software is an important part of life, with recent media concerns over personal data security, and numerous harmful viruses affecting thousands of computer owners worldwide. It's important you choose the right provider. There is no need to worry, our Mac specialist team have reviewed the most popular providers and ranked the most trusted 1-10. Our goal is to make sure your computer and personal data are kept safe. Most commonly asked questions about antivirus, are you unsure where to start with antivirus? Don't worry, we've spent days and weeks testing all providers, so that you don't have to. Here we've compiled answers to some of the most commonly asked questions about antivirus products. 1. What are the best antivirus products? There are so many antivirus providers in the market that specialize in many different things, so it's hard to say which is perfect for you. Most of the antivirus products use the same technology for locating and removing viruses, so any of the brands listed here will offer top of the table protection. We always recommend looking for a product that is built to remove viruses, malware, adware, and ransomware as many only specialize in one. We also don't recommend spending a lot on antivirus. Products like Total AV. include the same level of protection as any other antivirus for a fraction of the price. 2. What are the most important features of an antivirus? All the main features are important as they work together to keep your system safe from cybercriminals. At least, you should ensure we use a product that includes a real-time virus scanner, firewall, adware protection, safe browsing security. These should keep you protected all around. Click here to use our side-by-side comparison tool to check that your chosen antivirus includes all of these main features. 3. Does antivirus protect me from identity theft? This has become one of the most commonly growing questions in the past few months, as identity theft gets named the fastest-growing global crime affecting two in five people. Whilst antivirus does protect you from the cyber attacks that can steal your personal data, it does not monitor your identity or help if your identity is compromised. Some providers have partnered with the credit bureaus to provide identity protection services to their customers. For example this had a major influence on Total AB's number one ranking. They provide full identity protection and credit monitoring to their premium customers.
7: Thank you.
0: for Pedro show. Gas blowing out of their eyes. Centromatic. Everybody f- falls for the singer. Old man, fuck you, out of Knoxville. A bark from Knoxville. Well, that's where they live now. They're from Mississippi. But Oxford, in fact. That's a town I got to play one day.
1: Yeah, that's a so good the, town. William
0: Faulkner, right? Missed yes, me, sir. Uh, uh, Miss me. And then after that, Senor Al out of South London with uh, Feel So Easy. Mega Doubt, top 10. Trieste, I was just seeing Jim Joyce. Documentary on When he went back, it really bummed him out. He liked the first time he was there. Uh, Centromatic, they got a big win there called uh, Labora, because it's at the north of the yeah, yeah. Centromatic with Colin Thermatico. So tell me about Centromatic. I mean, you told me a little bit about your first Europe tour and getting to meet J. Mascus in the fog at the loading hatch. And That's some, right. Some guy remembered Denton. <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> And, and you are right that the J Mascis in the Fog, and later, uh, right uh, soon after that gig playing with Ronnie, uh, led yeah. the Stooges uh, reunion thing. Ronnie and Ig hadn't talked in twenty nine years. Uh, Will, uh, when, yeah. when, when, when does Centromatic come along?
1: Centromatic came along in about the spring of nineteen ninety five as a just a home recording project. I had an old Tascam four twenty four and started just screaming songs into it and uh shortly thereafter released a couple of cassettes and seven inches but there was no band until the winter of 1997 uh so we started playing out with the full four piece in the winter of 97 and put out 12 or 13 full-length records and went all went all the way with the same lineup until December of 2014 so just a little bit shy of 18 years and 12 records and uh
0: you know who did 12 it, records in 17 years? Who? Captain Beefheart. Oh, there's a great book by Mike Barnes on him. I, and you can go through that. He talks about recording every fucking song. You can go to youtube.com and listen to all the fucking Beefheart songs as you're reading about this shit.
1: And he's got recall. He had recall on all that stuff, huh? You could t- he could walk you through it.
0: Well, Mike Barnes yeah. He wouldn't talk to the captain. But he, a lot, he talked to a lot of people, like all the drummers, John French, Art Tripp, you know, Zoot Horn Rolo, uh on the guitar. And yeah. Rocket Morton, all those guys. But the cat wouldn't talk to him. But he uh, did lots of buttload of, uh, even uh, Howard Berman, the guy who wrote lyrics that everybody thought was a fake dude off the first couple records. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I recommend it, but... Uh, that, that was pretty prolific. And it started out as a one-man band. So what, you got gigs, and you needed a bunch of guys to, to make the gigs happen, right?
1: That's right. And we were all between bands at the time. And these were three guys that were already three of my dear friends. And we just happened to be, uh, quote-unquote, free agents at the time. And so the first two or three shows, I we didn't even rehearse or anything. It was like, meet down at the club. These are the chords. I'll see you on stage. Whoa. And so uh, we... We played our first two shows without a proper rehearsal, and then finally we got around to actually practicing. But uh, that's how it came I'm to be. I'm glad you
0: said that because I've yet to hear a basketball player say, "You know, I'm going to go to the gym and rehearse and some practice. hoops. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to rehearse some hoops." <laughs> I mean, why why are some musicians afraid of that practice word? It sounds too like little kid or what? It's
1: pra-
0: uh, yeah, it's rehearse it's, sounds like fucking actors. I know it's only somatics, will it ain't a big deal.
1: And I, but i love that i mean there was there was something about it that was very uh, i had come from bands that had rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed so it was time to do something that was a little bit less predictable i guess and so um we all met down at the venue we started playing shows together and i don't think there was ever really a formal ask for everybody to be in the band we just kept showing up for each other and so we did that for about 18 years same lineup a lot of europe tours a lot of u.s tours and Finally, time came in late 2014. Can I ask you,
0: Will, where did the name come from?
1: It is the model name of an accordion that I own made in Italy. (laughs) Okay. So it's a musical. It's a musical word. It is. And I needed a name to – I had masking tape over all these cassettes that I was recording at home, and I needed a name to identify those cassettes. So I just kept writing like Centromatic 1, Centromatic 2, Centromatic 3 on the cassettes, and it just stuck. (laughs)
0: That's great. <laughs> <laughs> like the, the, the whole series of the eponymous Centromatic. Look, yeah. we're at the end of the s- second hour, <laughs> May 18, 2020. This from Watt Pedro Show, special guest Will Johnson. Hold tight for hour three. May 18, 2020, it's third hour, What for Pedro Show.
9: I am There are times I know where I've been There are other days That I don't Know anything And in those Moments Away from you
10: Will you meet me In the sky If, If I told you You completely from afar, there are
2: times that I don't feel pain, but they pass
9: so quickly away. Now I realize I'm shattered beyond the trace, and as I wither like the kiss that vanished. In the ether, I'm obliged to your no bless, so I cannot resist. Please,
7: let me get what I'm desiring. Crazier than I
9: already am. I am nothing of passion till I take up my poison
2: pen, just to write you
7: a song. Song.
0: Show started third hour off with of said By the way, people said accordion name, it's, but it's musical. Uh, accordions are important, man. A lot of cats because their parents brought them over, you know. And like my, yeah. my second man, Organ Man, you know, before he got onto organ, he played accordion. He can still do it. Uh, the Mighty Midshipman uh, Euphoria's Destination after that with uh, adults only. Hot Keys out of Canada with Swenson Klein, side A. Imad, Wasif, Swan Song, Timothy Erie, Ritual Number Four, Black Moon Tape, Secret Language, Zigzags live on KXU with Sunken City, which is this place here in Pedro, where uh, yeah, erosion on the cliffs fell down, and so the road all broke up. So uh, yeah, it's a sunken city. <laughs> and then I, the kite, centromatic, nothing to do with Mr. Kite, right? So, uh, very prolific band, a lot of touring, a lot of but, an end came right.
1: A lot of what now? I didn't hear the last part. A
0: prolific, a lot of touring, a lot of recording stuff with Centromatic, but an end that's, did come. That's right. We were 2014. Uh, there, was
1: a, there was a time where we were we had maybe two or three records in the can, like kind of, kind of ready to go. We stayed pretty well ahead of release schedule. Almost at all times. It's great. Usually it's the other way around. <laughs> yeah. People, you know, the record label would get, would potentially get a little frustrated at us for having too much stuff and putting out <laughs> stuff too often. But, you know, we, we went at our own pace and it was comfortable for us. But what happened? The, the, pul- the plug finally got yanked, right? Yeah, the reason that we decided to go ahead and call it was because collectively we were just all we had kind of become adults together, uh, and some of us had had kids, and we were involved in other musical projects. And this, the means to really make it a sustainable thing, to where we were truly making our living off of it, they just weren't quite there. Um, and we we're living in different places and. But here's the upswing of all that is that I think we were playing as well as we ever had, and we were getting as long as well as we ever had. And in my mind, there was never a better time to at least just call it and take an indefinite break. We didn't have a there was nothing dramatic about it. We just made a collective decision, like, yep, this is a good time to let it rest, and maybe we'll come back one day. Oh, okay. So kind of like hiatus. It's, it's an indefinite hiatus. I mean, you and know, we're. Not, now tell me about South St. Gabriel. That's a side project that started off of the members of Centromatic about 2000, 2001. And the reason that it started, it goes back to the surplus of songs and surplus of material. We had a whole collection of uh, kind of ambient, more spacious kind of music that we were making. And we knew that we wanted Centromatic to be its four piece entity. But then with South St. Gabriel, we decided let's form another band and have it more of a collective. And there are times when South St. Gabriel has been as many as like nine, ten people on stage. Uh, And so it's more of a revolving door and kind of an open cast, whereas Centromatic was more of this, uh, more of the four piece rock band. Uh, So we just decided to build another band to accommodate those more experimental and the more sort of um, spacious recordings that we were making.
0: Okay, I want to play uh, the dark of the gar- the dark of garage.
1: Uh-
2: Fresh home of the day. I tried to hide away along with them sultry pictures that never once met my unholy demand.
0: Pedro show last music for this dish. It the dark of garage, South San Gabriel, and we'll uh, hear will, here will uh, enlighten you to uh, this perspective. The tune is written from
1: the way that that record got written was that uh the summer of two thousand four. I was in my little rent house in South Austin and challenged myself to write one song from the perspective of a cat and try to explore again things kind of from the other side of the room, you know, so to speak, emotionally. And so that led to another song and another song. And gradually I just filled out a record that explored this relationship, functional and dysfunctional, between this human and their cat. And the whole thing is written from the perspective of the cat itself.
0: <laughs> Have you ever read The uh, Master Margarita? Uh,
1: no, no.
0: Mikhail uh, Bulgakov.
1: I'm I, taking I, notes now. I recommend
0: now. it. There's a, there's, a, there's a cat named Behemoth. And uh, he likes drinking. And, master and, and Margarita. The master and Margarita. Okay, great. You'll dig it. It's it's um, it's an intense. It's kind of two stories going at the same time. But I highly recommend. Uh, awesome. Henry Kaiser doing when you your work speaks for itself, part two of five, and uh, groove crater, groove crater method. That's brother Phil up there in Big Bear doing another. Uh, one of his covers, J- uh, interpretations, I should say. Jump into the fire, Harry Nilsson. Great bass line from uh, Herbie Flowers, by the way. Have you ever heard the one with Harry Nilsson? And 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 uh, talking about drummer man, you know Jim Gordon. I know that name. Yeah. Ricky, don't lose a number. Uh, Derek and the Domino.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, in fact, he's in jail for killing his mom with a claw hammer. But oh, uh, when Herbie Flowers I know. <laughs> It's weird how art and individuals are connected. (laughs) But anyway, uh, not to get off tangent, but when Herbie does the bass solo, it's in D, so he tunes down the bass in real time. I love it. (laughs) And finally, uh, Smelling Medicinal, South San Gabriel. Smelling Medicinal, is this one of the cat tunes?
1: No, that's not. That came okay. before that cat record. Because <laughs> you know, cats
0: live in a world of smells, and so do dogs. Yeah. Yeah.
1: S- smelling medicinal is just uh, dysfunctional human to human, as opposed to cat to human. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, so is the the San uh, South San Gabriel that that project is on, right?
1: Yeah, it's still open. We still do shows from time to time. Uh, whenever you know, whenever time allows, it's kind of so, like a so, class so, you so
0: time to time. Then what are you doing right now for your main music thing, Will?
1: I am, um, well, I put out this new record called Wire Mountain about six months, no, eight months ago, and then uh, I'm about to make another solo record first week of June, so. Um,
0: now, when, I'm a- when you say solo, because, yep. you know, I made a solo record, but it had 48 dudes on it, so. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, is, are you the only dude playing, like Prince or Stevie Wonder or Dave Grohl's first record, or, or, or are you just the shot caller?
1: It like, depends on the record, but the last several records have had a cast of characters yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. So you're like uh, the, you're the runner man. Yeah, I'm kind of the runner man. Thor Harris was on the last record as oh, a drummer. Right. He mm-hmm. drummed on this on this recent solo record. So, but the, what's it like, Will,
0: when you're directing a drummer? Like we, I mentioned, Dave Grohl. He he had it, this one
1: record where he replaced the dude's whole
7: drums.
1: <laughs> that dude quit. <laughs> I don't. Uh, I try not to do too much direct and honestly i figure once everybody's at the studio it's time for everybody to kind of put their own fingerprints on the record and that's what makes it a unique chapter you know and so uh i'll i'll give a little bit of direction here and there but by the time we gather usually uh that means that i trust everybody in the place and that it's time to kind of let your own musical personality shine sure um So I don't do a ton of directing on the drums. Uh, if I really want to play the drum part, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and knock it out. But most of the time, it's far more interesting to have somebody like Thor, or somebody else, Matt Pence, play the drums because I love their oh, drumming so much. And yeah.
0: So, 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 uh, so who's on the new record? On the new solo record?
1: On the on this last one. No, the, the one, one that's the, coming up. What, what's, oh, your the one, what's your plan? What's your plan? It's going to be a true solo record, as far as I can tell. Just for separate, you know, just for distancing. Uh, I think I'm going to have to make the whole thing with either just me or maybe one other person doing a little bit of piano. But it will be a true solo effort. Wow! And Will, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, I, let's see. I've gone to my website. Well, how many times in my life? Three. Uh, I think it's Will. Johnson slash no man. Let me find it while we're talking.
0: Is <laughs> okay. I want people to know because your website, you're in charge of. There's no middleman.
1: Well, I got I got a manager up up in Illinois that helps out with a lot of my website kind of stuff. Actually, yeah, he's, he's face, different
0: than Mr. Uh, Zuckerberg. Or
1: yeah, it's it's not quite that. Okay. It is. Uh, let me find it real quick if you don't mind. Um, but it is. Uh, there's definitely the Facebook page, which is Will Johnson Music. Yeah, but and I want to
0: know, uh, know about your, your your website.
1: But then uh, the regular website is, I should know all this stuff, shouldn't I, Mike? This is ridiculous. Um, I think it's will-johnson.com. Yep, it is. It's will-johnson.com. Okay, people, go there. they have links <laughs> to
0: other sites, and he puts his flyers up on other telephone
1: yes Yeah, it's all there. I can't wait to
0: hear this new record. When you make this new solo record... Man alone with a little piano, maybe. Will yes, you come sir. on the show and talk to me about it? I would
1: be honored to.
0: Well, it's been a big honor to have you on the show. I love man. the idea of a drummer man, you know, breaking the mold, breaking <laughs> the stereotype. Thank you for learning all the <laughs> other instruments and writing your own songs. Well, please keep on keeping on.
1: I thank- will. thank okay. you so much for having me along.
0: People, it's been a May 18, 2020 edition of Waffle Pedro Show. Keep your power dry.